This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. If you're a business leader needing to get away from the daily grind and receive fresh vision, make sure to visit them online, www.kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. As we broadcast from Rogers, Arkansas, the headquarters of Work Matters, the ministry, an organization that's putting on today an amazing conference called the Work Matters Conference. You can check it out all online, workmatters.org, workmatters.org. Today, Martha and I have the privilege of interviewing a couple of the speakers that are that are sharing here today but boy you're gonna you got to get this on your calendar for next year if you haven't been streaming today you're gonna want to get this done for next year so without a lot of introduction we just really want to challenge you guys to get to workmatters.org workmatters.org all right first up today austin and ashton samuelson they've got this ministry called tacos for life i can't wait for you to hear about it these guys have founded tacos for life and i'm gonna let you guys tell them about it but austin and ashton welcome to i work for him oh thanks for having us yes thank you all right so before we get to tacos for life and all the other things god's doing in your life why don't you just tell us how you first came to be a jesus follower Yes. So um, I grew up in a lovely family of people that that love Christ and are passionate about the gospel. And so I got um, the privilege of learning about Christ from a young age. But um, I actually found God when I was seven years old. Um, One of my best friends out in the playground just shared Jesus with me in a very clear and innocent, lovely way. And I came home, told my parents and became a believer. And the journey has been really great ever since. So yeah, at an early, early age for me. Austin, what about you? Well, very similar actually to Ashton. So uh, great family, great parents, grew up in church, uh, came to know Christ uh, at six. And uh, for me though, it really came alive uh, in high school and junior high. And then again, just there's this continue, you know, well, sanctification really, you know, of just growing closer to God and, and really kind of learning what this, uh, what grace really means in our lives. So it's been a, a continuous journey that's been pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, we get that. Absolutely. We get that. So how did you guys meet? Oh, that's a great story. So we met at a church camp when I was 15. Austin was 16. We met in the cafeteria. My um, group of friends had already left the cafeteria, so I was just looking for a place to sit. And he was leaving the cafeteria. Well, he got hungry again after he saw me and came back and sat down. Imagine how that works. So, yes, that was fun. And we were um, best friends for several years. And then we just planned to go to Washtenaw Baptist together and got married in 2008 after we graduated. So, um, I tell people that and this is cheesy, but true. I really did meet my best friend at 15 and life really started then mm. for me. So well, we get that. We met at 16. Yeah. So we, okay, we, great. We get that. Then you know. Yes. And we, and we, we, and we were, were best friends. That's right. For yes. a couple of years before we started dating. Okay. So let's talk about this. Why? How did the Lord lead you guys to be in the restaurant business? What's the story behind your faith and your work intersecting over tacos for life? Who gets to tell the story? Well, it's a it's a pretty wild story for us. We never would have dreamt that we would have been uh, in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of totally came out of left field for us, but it really all started. We uh, we got married after we graduated, and we uh, moved to California. We're living in L.A. And at that time, God started softening our hearts towards uh, local hunger, and uh, and also at the same time, we heard uh, we heard this um, speaker talking about global hunger, and we heard this statistic that rocked our world mm-hmm. one day, and uh, it was. At that time, 18,000 children, uh, he said, will die today from starvation and malnutrition. Wow. And, uh, and that really rocked our world. Uh, but he also said a, a, another thing that was very intriguing. He said, you know, uh, hunger is the world's single most solvable problem uh, facing 
our world. And uh, it was Rich Stearns, uh, the president uh, and CEO of mm-hmm. World Vision, mm-hmm. uh, talking. And, uh, and he was talking about, as believers, we often, uh, we, we love our coffee mug verses. You know, mm-hmm. we love our, our verses that are, you know, God will bless you and, and those sort of mm-hmm. things. But we choose to ignore uh, the commands in the Bible that say, take care of the widow and the orphan. And so that's where yeah. it really all started for us. We had no idea what to do with it. Uh, it, it was about a year and a half long journey of this kind of struggle. She was teaching school. I was working in commercial real estate and, uh, we both, uh, felt very called to the fields that we're in. And, uh, and we, we really struggled with how can we be a part of, uh, this solution Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, without any experience, any knowledge, any understanding and, and kind of feeling called to where we were. And, uh, one day God laid on our heart, uh, this idea of, uh, well, we started thinking about Tom's shoes. And that really resonated with us because, uh, me being in the business world, I, I felt, I felt called to be in that area. And, uh, you know, we, we started praying and thinking about it and God just kept opening one door after another. And this whole restaurant thing has been one big miracle for us and, and yeah. a giant journey. Hey, we're on location today in Rogers, Arkansas, the headquarters for work matters and Today, going on, even while we're interviewing, the Work Matters Conference, workmatters.org, workmatters.org. We're talking today with Austin and Ashton Samuelson, Tacos for Life. Ashton, how do we get to Tacos for Life from this idea of hunger to Tacos for Life? Yes. So, Austin, God gave Austin the idea of what if there was... Um, a model where when you come in and order lunch or dinner, you can actually provide a meal to someone in need. Um, so when you come in to Tacos for Life and order a taco or a quesadilla, 22 cents goes to an organization called Feed My Starving Children, and they mm-hmm. feed a child. And they're out of Minneapolis, and it's amazing because they're a faith-based organization who loves God, and they use this food as a foundation to share the gospel. So the food is kind of the first step to enter into these communities and to provide these kids with nourishment. And then once they are fed, and, and Austin and I have gotten the privilege of seeing this with our own eyes. Mm-hmm. Once they've received this food, they're they're so excited to find out, like, why are you doing this? What's behind this? So our, our dream with Tacos for Life is to be able to um, empower. We say our guest is the hunger hero. They're the ones that are providing the meals. So they come in and they're able to eat and make a difference. So yeah, that, that jump for us was just an, an opportunity for us to use the gifts of that we feel like God's given us in business to make a difference. Okay. So yesterday in, in, you know, the effort for market research, we want to make sure that you guys were legit. And we went out and checked out tacos for life. And when you walk into tacos for life, of course it was a long line. uh, And, but the a long but fast line. Oh, okay. yeah, good, I just good, yay. It, wasn't, <laughs> yay. it oh, no. wasn't like we stood in yeah, there line. Was, there was it was no. only really enough time to read the menu and For go, Martha, it was oh, a tough decision. Oh, wow. That's this right. is amazing. So, but on this, right, right behind the people taking your order, there's a screen saying, here's how many meals we've served. Here's mm-hmm. how many meals we've, we've, I can't remember all the different turns. Was, like meals served, meals given. Was that what mm-hmm. it said on there? I mean, we should have taken a picture. That would have I been know. great. I know. I thought so, about that. But it was well over a million meals. I mean, talk, talk to us about the numbers. You guys have yeah. any idea what your numbers are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually yesterday we just crossed over six and a half million meals, which okay. uh, for us is just, you know, it blows our mind mm-hmm. to think about that because the first restaurant we started with, we raised about 300 meals a day and uh, God kind of kept pushing us and um, we kept kind of tinkering with it and learning. And then we decided to do tacos for life. We actually started with the pizza restaurant, then moved to tacos for life. Okay. Pizza and tacos in, makes in sense. That, in that journey, mm-hmm. uh, God said, Hey, you know, we really felt like he was saying you need to up the giving up the ante a little bit because mm-hmm. we were donating one meal for every pizza we sold. And when we went to tacos, we moved it to every taco. Oh. 
Yeah. Okay, so I don't know how many tacos you ate yesterday. I ate two. There you go. So you got to donate two meals. So six and a half million meals, and it's just a our total meal count God doubled thing. or tripled yeah. by switching to tacos versus pizza. So each each location, to kind of put it in tangible terms, raises about a thousand meals every single day. So wow. it's just an incredible uh, thing. And again, we don't do we can't take any of the credit for it because we had no experience, nothing to bring to the table. <laughs> and our guests are the ones. You know, you guys coming and eating yesterday are the ones that provide all the meals. So but you know, one of the things that really resonates about your story with what we talk about every day on the air is that God told, has told us, you know, there's a many people with great ideas. Don't reinvent the wheel. So you didn't figure out how to make the meals to send to the other countries. Mm-hmm. You've partnered with somebody who does that part very well. Mm-hmm. And so um, I love that because you just are, you're doing what you can so that you can help provide the meals and it perpetuates and educating your customers that they're helping in that process. And that was a great experience, wasn't it, Jim? And it was a, it was a great experience. So how, so talk to us about how you're living out of your faith. I mean, you didn't have any restaurant experience yet. Your restaurants are wildly successful and your food was off the charts. The brisket taco. I know it's a, what they say? A so special. I'm so glad you got the brisket. Yeah, no, yeah. I, well, I had the brisket one and I had the bacon ranch chicken, chicken one uh-huh. too. Chicken yeah. Yes. I, 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 the brisket one was better. I got, just got to tell you that. That was your favorite. Well, you are favorite. a brisket I love guy. brisket. Okay. So how does all of this... I mean, how did God do this without you guys having any restaurant experience? Well, it's just, it it was one big faith journey. And one of the cool things I think for us, as we started on this journey, you know, we had no restaurant experience. We had no, we, neither of us had ever worked in a restaurant before. We've been through the drive-thru. Like zero. There you go. You're a good customer. (laughs) You know, you start seeing ways that God was equipping you all along Mm -hmm. in your life that you had no idea about. And for Ashton, one of the things we learned really quickly is she has a phenomenal palate. And she always grew up watching the cooking channel and cooking and, mm-hmm. you know, meals are always great and a big deal uh, in her house and now our house. And um, seeing that like really flourish and her being able to come out and, and put together these recipes. And now we have a great team that God's brought along the way. Other gifts. Yeah. yeah. But it's just cool how God, God will give you those what areas and fill those gaps even when you don't know you need them. A conversation with a couple of different speakers all associated with the Work Matters Conference going on today right here online. You can actually check it out online, workmatters.org. There's still time left. If you're listening to the show in Jacksonville and in Tampa, there's still like a few minutes left of, of the you could be streaming and we're uh, trying to convince them to be able to allow people to be able to buy the videos afterwards. So make sure you check it out online, workmatters.org. The first speakers we're talking to are Austin and Ashton Samuelson. These guys have grown this business called Tacos for Life, which every time you buy a taco, you're giving 22 cents towards feeding starving children. Did I get that right? Out of yes. Minneapolis? Yes. And, it, and that feeds them for a day? 22 yes, cents? 22 it's cents feeds them for a day. It's enough nutrition to supply a child with what they need for an entire day. That's unbelievable. Oh, it's so cool. So talk to us about how you guys got intersected with Work Matters. I mean, how did you guys even hear about it? Well, we heard about it last year because one of one of the guy that's very instrumental instrumental in our business, he was one of the speakers here last year and a guy that we just look up to and he he just has this reputation of living out his faith and work and just mm-hmm. phenomenal. We really look up to him. So he's a speaker. And, you know, for us, it was like, hey, if Donnie is here speaking, we got to come hear it. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we got involved. And then from there, uh, the cool thing was some people in our office were able to take some of the materials and Mm -hmm. started a Bible study out of it. And then we're actually exploring ways to implement some of their materials into our 
leader development program right now. So it's a, it's a bit of a evolving process, mm-hmm. but it's really cool. They're a phenomenal organization and just, it's so cool to be challenged and be resourced in the way that they're able to do that. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about that, that experience at the conference last. So last year was your first time. Yes. Okay. What was your biggest takeaway from last year? We'll let Ashton talk this time, Austin. Well, I actually, I, we have three boys, so I didn't get to come last year and I was so sad. Get, oh, you didn't I get to come and no. you didn't get to stream it because it and wasn't was stream so available sad. last year. Right. And that's why I was so excited about this year when I heard that they were streaming. I thought, oh, that would have worked great. Nap time. I could have been involved. So, Okay. But, so, Austin, what was the biggest highlight for you last year? Well, I think the biggest thing for us was just the challenge of, you know, being intentional in the workspace. And for us in the restaurant business, there is so much opportunity. And we have this kind of open uh, dialogue because of what we do in our ministry. But, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe, you know, to come work for us. So we have an, an, an incredible mission field mm-hmm. uh, in our restaurants. And we get to have just this phenomenal dialogue. But you you see these groups coming and groups from, from big, you know, Fortune 100 companies that are sending people and they're talking about the Bible studies that they do yeah. on work time. And that's mm-hmm. pretty challenging for us because, you know, we get kind of dubbed a Christian business all the time, which we love. And for us, it was like, oh man, we need to step our game mm-hmm. up. And there is so much more to being intentional with our people than what we often think about. Yeah, You, so, know, you, you do have a unique platform because of the fact that you're doing something that is um, socially very good. Mm-hmm. You know, you're giving back in a way that can appeal to a lot of people, whether they believe in, in Jesus Christ or not, but opening the door to that conversation, what does that look like for you? When you said maybe using it in some of your amazing. leadership training and things like that, how are you incorporating biblical principles in your business? That's been really cool. Austin mentioned earlier that we, after the event, I got to be involved in the Bible study and it was a women's group, which was Mm. really cool. We did a love at work study, which talked about how to really incorporate your faith in a tangible way. And it kind of took Christ's love as the first step. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we are super passionate about in our business is we say we want to feed, you know, children through Christ's love and show them that his love through food. And so that's been really unique. And that's one of our biggest values as a company, um, just trying to incorporate the Bible through our values. And a lot of times it's, you made such a great point. People that aren't even believers or maybe didn't grow up around the word, they're able to hear these things and, and recognize these truths and wrap their heads around them. And then when they hear about the person of Jesus, they, they get excited about it. And they're mm-hmm. like, wow, I, I can get behind that. You know, so that's been something that we've been really on a journey towards. So, so you guys, cool. how many stores do you have now? How many tacos for life are you guys running? We have 12 locations open okay. and we have four more that are supposed to open before the end of the year. So <laughs> as and well as our third coming. child. Yeah. <laughs> Not a, nothing busy happening no, no big here. Deal. So. Four stores and a baby. Well, you can get that done. All right. So talk to us about. Uh, and it's tacosforlife.com. If people want to learn more yes, about ma'am. the backstory. When you guys are offering franchises, are there limitations to the location where they can put those franchises? We're focused predominantly in the Southeast right now. So. Okay. Well, that includes Florida, right? Because we're yes. broadcasting all over Florida. For sure. Yes. All right. So. Okay. You Florida people. Tacos for life. stuff. And it is, it is, I work for him endorsed right there. Tampa, that's, that's right. We would take it. Absolutely. Okay. So let, let's talk about intentionality. How many employees do you guys have? We have, uh, on our company stores, we have somewhere over 500 uh, employees right now. Holy smokes, that's a lot of people. A lot of people live to be 100 and never have a 500 employees. Okay, so you get 500 employees. You're talking about intentionality. You talk about, you learn about love, love your people. What is one thing that you guys are really, I mean, if you were to set a goal for 2019 
in your businesses, what's one thing that you guys are thinking about saying, here's how we're going to incorporate our faith into what we do. You guys got ideas what you're going to do for next year? I mm-hmm. think so. We had the name life in our uh, or the, the word life in our name. Mm-hmm. And for us, it, it, we really tie back to, to giving life to our team members. And, and that that can br- go this broad sure. direction. Yes. Mm-hmm. But so many people, you know, you come into work, work can be hard. Life can be really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and some of our people are coming out of hard circumstances. So our biggest thing, and we don't always get this right, but we really strive. And, and really, as we move into next year, because we're going to be opening less stores, we really want to take time to be able to give life to our team mm-hmm. and be, be able to love on mm-hmm. them and, uh, and be uh, more intentional with, you know, there, there needs to be a strong relationship there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've gone through the season of, of fast growth. And I think we're kind of entering this season now of saying, okay, I don't know if God's really that concerned about numbers. You know, mm-hmm. it's fun to talk about the meal counts and we're honored to get to talk about that. Uh, but I, we had uh, one of the, the guys that feed my starving children, the organization we work mm-hmm. with, we were in Haiti about a year ago and we were struggling with this, you know, how should we grow? And, and, you know, you feel all this pressure to grow as an organization. And he looked at me and he said, Austin, God doesn't need you guys to feed kids. He wants to use you guys but he doesn't need, so quit worrying about the numbers, quit trying to open up more locations just so you can feed more kids, love on the people that God's already mm-hmm. entrusted to you. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was really powerful. That's a valuable lesson it to really learn was. the people mm-hmm. that you've got are a gift. I mean, you guys, 500 people, that's larger than the majority of churches in the country. I you mean, you guys have a lot of churches. It's amazing. We had a gentleman that has just encouraged us so much because he, he was like, you know, I, I don't know that I, at this point in my life, I would have gone to a church or I'm just in a, an interesting season, but by God's grace, he was able to see some people in our team and and he was able to find Christ Mm. just in the restaurant because of some of the leaders that we had. And that's nothing that Austin and I have done or, or even our team. That's just the grace of God. Like just calling people into who they really are Mm -hmm. and, and calling this gentleman by who, who he is, his son. And it's just, it's been really powerful. And so that really gripped Austin I's heart is like, that's just as important to God is that one. Cause he can, he can do the thousands. We know that, you know? Right. So it's cool. It's been really neat. So I have a question. Give us a little sneak peek. What are you going to share with the work matters people today? I think the big thing for us was, you know, we went to a Christian university and, uh, you know, for me personally, half of my friends were uh, ministry students mm-hmm. and half of us were in the business school. And, you know, I always had this like struggle in school of like, should I be, you know, going down the ministry route? You know, do I need to be, you know, doing that? But I just, I, I had this deep down feeling of like, that's not the way God created me. And um, so that was, that was kind of a struggle and, and, you know, kind of wrestled through that with school and then as we launched into working into our careers, and then as we kind of circle back around to tacos for life, we just want to be able to encourage people that, you know what, God calls us to use our strengths and causes, calls us to use our giftings mm-hmm. and we can be intentional right where we at, where we're at. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need to stop what we're doing. We don't need to, um, you know, enter Try the ministry officially, you know, mm-hmm. yes. we need to be you know, in the ministry, in our workplace. Well, it ties right back to what you were saying. You have 500 people that you have influence over that you wouldn't necessarily have those Mm -hmm. same 500 people in any other circumstance. For sure. So God's given you those to steward well. That's fabulous. How has the Lord shaped your hiring practices? Like for your, for your super people that represent you guys, the store managers, the restaurant managers, how Hard has that been finding people that really understand your mission mm. because you got to pass that on as they hire all the, the people that are working the store. 
We're still figuring that out. <laughs> yeah, let us know if you have any pointers. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Now we try to really dig deep and look at you know okay what are what's what's the heart of the person like you know and uh, we don't we don't require that everyone that comes to work for us that they share their testimony or that they're a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really look at okay do they are they going to line up with the values and one of the conversations we have when people are thinking about joining Tacos for Life whether it be you know as a team member washing dishes or as a leader yeah. as an assistant mm-hmm. manager or something. We say, hey, listen, we're, we're not a Christian business, but we are believers. We believe that God called us to do this. We're, we run this thing with biblical principles, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to pray. We're going to talk about God. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's okay. But that's who we are, and we want you to know who we are when From you, the start. When mm-hmm. you get in, into this. And, and that's opened up some really cool doors and some cool conversations that we've been able to have. I can't wait to hear the rest of the story as we connect Mac up in the next couple of years to see what God's done with this. And as baby number three is born and (laughs) three more stores, four more stores are built. That'd be pretty incredible. Thank you so much, Austin and Ashton Samuelson. Thank you so much for being on iWork for him today. Thank you for having us. us, Hey, make sure you guys check out online tacosforlife.com. And of course, workmatters.org. We'd love for you to get involved in work matters and take it into your organization workmatters.org. So we're here at a Work Matters conference. Work Matters is an organization that is there to help equip you to understand no matter where you are in the organizational totem pole, you are can be equipped to take your faith to work. They have a couple of emails every week with devotionals and videos. Then they've got a Work Matters Institute, which they're working on bringing online, not just here on location in Rogers. Then they've got um, the Work Matters Conference every year, and they've got Work Matters Studies you can bring into your organization in order to be able to have them uh, for your, with you and other coworkers. And we learned this week that they actually have devotionals on the YouVersion Bible. Ten so, of them. That's right. Yes. And they are really close to like, a, I mean, a huge threshold of people that have downloaded them. So want to encourage people, if you're really wanting to learn more on a daily basis um, from scripture about your work, those are some great devotionals to check out. So you just plug in work matters in the search. That's right. And workmatters.org is how you can find them online, workmatters.org. Well, as we said at the beginning of the show today, we are interviewing a couple of the speakers. The second half of the show today is with Sandra Crawford-Williamson. Now, you may recognize that name. She's been on the show before. She's part of the Eternal Leadership Podcast uh, team with John Ramstead. And uh, we are just so excited to actually meet Sandra face-to-face, which is what we don't often get to do with our guests. But Sandra Crawford-Williamson, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be here. It is great to be face to face looking you in the eye this time. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Sandra, I know we've, we've, we've already heard a little bit of your story, but on past shows, but let's just remind our audience, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Well, you know, I grew up in South Louisiana in a really scrappy family and we went to church every time the doors were open. So I am a poster child of Everything I grew up learning was all in my head. We had to memorize scripture. We had very high expectations. It was um, maybe even a little legalistic. And uh, so it was a lot of rules. So growing up, you know, I, I, I had things I, a lot of things I couldn't do. It was grossly monitored by my parents. And then uh, as most of us that were raised that way, I went to college and it took me three days to figure out my parents didn't know what time I was coming back to the dorm. You exploded, didn't you? I had all of my teenage experiences that most people have between 12 and 18 under the umbrella of your parents. Mm-hmm. I had in college. 
without anyone's umbrella and with a legal drinking age of 18. So um, it was a very interesting phase. So I, you know, fell off the cart and did all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, it was it was the 80s, Jim. So I, you know, shaved my head, Sinead O'Connor, and then later dyed it Annie Lennox orange and, you know, was doing just experimenting, kind of seeing the world and, um, you know, going through college and always missed church, always missed it, sort of just the tradition of it. Um, but, you know, I look back, my parents never stopped loving me and accepting mm-hmm. me and always pointing me back. And I really give them a lot of credit for that because I did everything possible uh, for them not to mm-hmm. <laughs> show me that unconditional love. But they did. Um, and, you know, started my career and, um you know, when you kind of grow up scrappy like I did with lots of rules, um, I wanted to be successful. So, you know, from college to about 34 years old, it was all about go, 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 work, work, work. What's the next digit on my paycheck? What's the next, you know, big job description? What's the next bigger company that wants me? Um, and it was really, I see now, I tried to fill the emptiness that was supposed to be filled with Jesus, mm-hmm. I tried filling it with stuff and with success and with trophies and with headlines. And I had them all. I had, a, you know, all of that stuff. And um, not until in my 30s when I went through some stuff did I realize that I had all this head knowledge of Jesus. But, you know, you hear that old cliche that that 18 inches from your head to your heart is the furthest distance. So I am the poster child of that. So in my mid thirties, um, you know, in church and just fell on my face with the Lord and was, mm. you know, just total surrender. Mm. Talk to us about the impact of nine eleven on your life. I was told that there's quite a story connected to that. Well, it's, um, it's really the whole reason I'm here, the whole reason I have a family. So as I mentioned, it was all about, you know, trophies and success and, um, you know, I worked for companies like Procter and Gamble and Coca-Cola and uh, Universal Studios. And then in my early thirties, uh, was running a global toy company. We were in 43 countries. I had offices all over the world. You know, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, right? <laughs> it was the the sin of self-sufficiency. I mean, truly, you know, I was I was doing all of that. You know, we um, we have to really ask ourselves why why are we doing all this super competitive driving? And for me, I was I was feeling that empty hole, right? Sure. So. Here I am. I'm in New York City. I'm, uh, you know, our, we've made the cover of the Wall Street Journal. Our company had and we're enjoying some huge success. And I uh, happened to be in New York at our New York offices uh, on 9-11. And so mm. the first plane, uh, you may remember, sort of went down Fifth Avenue super low before it hit the first tower and uh, it flew right over our heads. And we were sort of a you know, wow, that's really strange. But then we went straight into the building and straight into the elevator. And so the actual impact happened while we were in the elevator. So when we came out on our floor, obviously it was, uh, it was chaos and, you know, everybody was on the phone and it was just craziness. So, you know, up until then, I sort of defined my, my life pre 9-11 and post 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, everything before 9-11 was all about, 
you know, I had this baggage of growing up as a, as a poor kid from the other side of the tracks, right? I had, I was, you know, I say some people have like a nice little tote bag of baggage. I had like two bellmen behind me, you know, pushing my baggage. <laughs> um, and so to overcome that and the legalism and the super strict parents, you know, I was, I always wanted to be in control of my own destiny, and I always wanted to be as successful and showy and, you know, front of the class as possible. Mm-hmm. So some of those symptoms are pretty good. You know, made straight A's, got a college scholarship, all that. Super, quote, successful according to the world's view. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, here I was. I was 34 years old. I'd never been married. Um, my role was no pets, no plants, no boys. Because they got in the way. Uh, and so I was your stereotypical, you know, my friends now look back and they call me the devil wears Prada. You know, the, there's wow. the movie, the devil oh, wears yeah. Prada. We've seen it. El Diablo. I mean, I was just hardcore. You know, I was hardcore. If you couldn't keep up, I didn't really have a lot of use for you. So and what broke your heart? What yeah. finally brought you to the end yeah. of your rope? So um, as that first plane hit the building, um, a number of us sort of went down to street level and and thought, well, we can go toward the accident and, and help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no idea at all that it was a commercial airliner. Everyone thought it was a prop plane and that someone had had a heart attack. Like that was right. sort of the rumor that was at street level. You know, you've seen all the videos and the most of the video is from, you know, aerial stuff. When you were down at street level with all those tall buildings, you can't really see what's happening. So um, we were sort of, there was this crowd of people going north and so we were just sort of helping people as they were coming past us um and then when the second plane came from a different direction hit the second tower then you really realize like okay this is it we are we're under attack and within moments there were fighter jets overhead and um they cleared out the streets of manhattan so it was like a movie set i mean literally the streets were empty so this is a Tuesday morning, nine, ten o'clock. Streets are empty and it's eerily silent. And, um, you know, the, to say that God was there filling the gap was an understatement. So we, um, you know, thought, all right, this is this is really bad. And, you know, it's sort of a, a foxhole mentality. You know, you sort of you see how people respond in survival mode. And so my survival mode and a couple people that I was with, we thought, oh, well, we'll go give blood. And, you know, then we couldn't give blood because there was, it was just chaos. And so we were trying to help people. And, and then as the buildings fell, uh, that's really that rumbling of the, of, the, of the buildings falling, I say, was sort of the rumbling of my core and, mm. and everything also. So, you know, we're on street level and there's this rumble. And I thought there was a bomb in the subway because it was, uh, was, you know, the earth was shaking. And then um, not until you see this gigantic, you know, not even cloud. I mean, it's just this like being of gray concrete dust filled with stuff moving toward you. um, Do you think, all right, this is, this is it. I'm like going to meet the maker. Um, And, you know, everybody, everybody in the city that was still there, um, you know, in downtown and midtown just started running north. And so, you know, I had this moment where everything I'd been chasing for 34 years 
was literally blowing down the street. Business cards were blowing down the street. Cash was blowing down the street. Computers, office papers. I mean, literally, like mm-hmm. the air is filled with it. And um, and then, you know, as you're kind of going, you know, this is this is Manhattan, right? So there's a hot dog vendor on one side with his little money apron. And there's a guy who's, you know, obviously like from downtown trader type, you know, who's in his alligator shoes on the other side of me. And, you know, there's all these people. And within moments, all of a sudden we were covered in that gray dust. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I try to recount this moment and it's, it's really difficult because it's, it's, I can't explain it, but God just very clearly planned planted the thought in my head. You know, I didn't hear a loud voice. It wasn't like that, but just, I instantly knew, um, this is what it will be like in heaven. Everything that you're chasing is completely useless and you'll all be standing in front of me and you'll all look the same Uh because we all in an instant, you know, alligator shoes, super fancy business suit, great briefcase, hot dog vendor, whatever it was, in an instant it was raced and we all look the same. And Uh so God planted the thought, you'll all look the same to me in eternity and Uh none of that stuff matters. So Sandra, you know, you've been sharing with us what a lot of us have never experienced right here from the Work Matters Conference about, because it is the week of 9-11, we've been talking about the anniversary and and you lived in um, a moment that none of us have really experienced. And But God gave you kind of an epiphany in that moment when you all were covered with the concrete dust and you all had the, were the same, whether you had fancy shoes on or a belt with the money for the hot dogs. Um, God was showing you that what you'd been chasing after really wasn't going to matter in heaven. What did you do with that moment? Where, where did that lead you to where you are today? Yeah. So that's sort of, you know, phase two, which is after nine 11. And, you know, I'd love to say I woke up the next morning and everything was different, but it mm-hmm. was really a process. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to shed all of these layers that I had put on to hide who I really was. You know, I was really just this broken, you know, poor kid who had gotten through life, you know, because I made good grades and was smart and had a quick wit. And so I put all these layers on, you know, the job title and the house and the car and the luggage and the purse and, you know, the guys I would take to parties as my little showpieces and all that sort of stuff had all these layers on. So, you know, what I really started post 9-11 was shedding those layers mm-hmm. And, you know, so I you t- were an ogre. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> onions I, have layers. Onions yeah. and ogres both had layers. Yeah. Right. So kind of picture, you know, if you will, just, I had all these masks on, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be something I wasn't. Uh, and so it really just started the process of shedding the masks. And, you know, the first start was, uh, you know, I really let my guard down with people and, and let people in and started trusting people and, um, you know, start treating people very, very differently. Uh, and within a year was dating my now husband. Mm. So, you know, I had had all these rules and all these barriers. So no pets, no plants, no, no boys. No boys and um, all these dating rules. And so all of a sudden, you know, I was dating this guy. I was in a different city and uh, I was running the business very differently. You know, I mean, I can remember one day going, oh my gosh, you have kids and I schedule 4.30 meetings. Like what? 
what kind of person does that? You know? Uh, so it was like looking back at a, at a different person. Hmm. Um, and still to this day, you know, I'll have epiphanies like, wow, that was really, that was really hardcore. So, you know, it was just, it was shedding the, all those layers and getting down to the raw real me that Jesus created. Um, and it's a work in progress. Let's be clear. I mean, we're, we're never done, right? That's what I love about Christianity we, we never fully get there. It's a constant work in progress our entire lives. And so, um, you know, I, I open myself up to relationships. I, I, once I shed it, I shed the need to fill that emptiness with other things. I, I lost a little bit like that, um, just deep desire for the kill, if that makes any sense, you know, closing the deal and beating out the competition and all that. And it was very different. I really started seeing my work as a gift rather than something I had to do to win. Um, you know, and then my journey continued on with marriage and motherhood and, you know, becoming a more seasoned believer. I was able to then truly see, you know, work as my mission field. Um, but you know, it's, it took a, it took a while, you know, because I went through this phase where I was created in a way, super competitive, super driven, um, you know, eerie way of reading people and closing deals and negotiating and all that. And growing up, I was almost put down for it. Hmm. Right. And, and so you kind of are like, well, wow, maybe I'm, I'm not good enough. So then all of a sudden you have a career where all those things are actually, applaud it and you're quote successful because of it. And so then you think, well, gosh, I am all that. Right. And then you go through a phase where you're like, okay, well, these, this is the way God has gifted me. And so, you know, in that, that era, sort of my late thirties, early forties, Ephesians 2.10 really became, uh, you know, my verse and, and what I, you know, what I live for, I began to unpack God's true purpose for my life. And I really went through a phase where I completely devoted myself to understanding God's calling. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. So God created us. Mm-hmm. And, and in some translations, that workmanship means individual piece of art. So we are God's individual piece of artwork created in Christ Jesus for good work. So we were created to do stuff for him, right? Mm -hmm. Which God prepared beforehand. So before, you know, I was even a glimmer in anyone's eye, God knew that Sandra was going to be born at this time in this place in history Mm -hmm. and that he was going to create me this way with this set of gifts. And then the last part's my favorite, that we should walk in them. And in some other translations, it basically says, so you better get off your booty and get with it. (laughs) And so as I began to understand that in different languages, you know, it became really clear to me that these skills, these traits, um, these things that God had given me were, they were part of me. And, you know, God doesn't make junk, so they couldn't be bad. So, you know, if God's perfect and I'm his individual piece of work, then, you know, these are God given gifts that he chose for me. And so every day now I just try to be a good steward of them, you know, we really appreciate you sharing that story because it's great to hear how God rescued you from yourself. Mm hmm. 
we're here at the Work Matters Conference in Rogers, Arkansas, and we're being hosted by Work Matters. You can check them out online, workmatters.org, and Sandra's going to be speaking today. Sandra, what are you going to be talking to the audience about? You have 500 to 1,000 people down there, plus all the people streaming across the country. What are you telling them? Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit today about, you know, it sounds silly, but how work matters in your life as a believer. Um, so I'm going to specif- specifically be talking, you know, there's a, a, a great high level, you know, um, audience here in terms of their careers. And so I'm going to share some of my story that I've just shared with you, little snippets of it, um, but mainly going to talk about, you know, how can I, you know, you use your God given gifts to be a disruptor uh, for faith. Right. How can you truly embrace who you are, be comfortable with who you are? Because let's be clear, 99.999% of people don't know who they are, aren't comfortable with who they are, and certainly don't see themselves as a gift and special piece of art from God. So I'm going to talk about that and then I'm going to encourage them to, you know, unpack who they are and how they were created and what are their gifts. And so, um, you know, and then talk about when you do that how you can walk with those, you know, and how I make decisions now. That's another thing I'm going to talk about, how I make decisions on what work I take on and that sort of thing. Right. So let's talk about um, being a, uh, well, I don't know, I guess, are you speaking and on a panel? Um, It's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Okay. So in that panel that's going to happen, um, they're talking about pioneering new ways of doing business. And, you know, I think that goes with the whole redefined theme for the day and um, talking about leaning on God's direction. So what made you decide to dis- to be on that panel, to come and speak at uh, the Work Matters Conference today? Yeah, well, you know, once I became a Christ-centered believer and, and truly accepted that my competitiveness and, and mm-hmm. these areas that I have gifts in were a gift from God, um, you know, I started then saying, okay, let's use these strengths instead of, you know, to be in front of others and collect trophies and wealth and titles, let's use them for God. Cause that's what, you know, his word tells us to do. Yes. So, you know, it's a daily challenge. Use my gifts to help others, to be a good steward, to do his work. Um, you know, but every single day I get up and I prayed, you know, please let me shed the sin of self-sufficiency realize that, Hmm. you know, that it's not me. I'm not like all that in a box of chocolates, right? I'm who he created me to be. And everything I've accomplished is because he designed it for me. So, um, you know, what I'm going to talk about today is as, as a business leader, how to be comfortable, you know, with what your strengths are, but how most importantly to be comfortable with what they're not. I want to go back to your industry disruptor comment really quick before we get to the end of the show. Give one example of what it looks like to be a faith-based industry disruptor. Mm, Yeah. So, you know, I have Crawford Creative Consulting, which is a strategic consulting company, and I do a lot of work with companies, um, you know, some that have believers running the show and others that are completely secular. But I run that practice from um, a biblical perspective, you know, fruits of the spirit and all that. And, uh, and so I go in and the first thing I focus on is let's figure out what your works of art look like here. What is your museum? And I, and I use it and I talk about individuals as individual pieces of art. And so I help businesses get in touch with what skill sets do they have? You know, most people aren't successful in a role because they're in the wrong role. 
Mm-hmm. And so we restructure and we do a lot of strategy work. Um, and so I talk about, you know, employees as your assets and how you can get to know them and, and put them in the right jobs. And so that's a piece of what I do. I'm going to talk about that today and how you should always be doing that as a senior leader. Excellent. Mm. There's so much more we'd love to pull out of you, but people can find you online where, Sandra? Sandra Crawford Williamson.com. And they can, you know, talk about consulting and executive coaching. I also have a digital agency. Perfect. Excellent. Sandra Crawford. Crawford Williamson, thank you for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we broadcast from Rogers, Arkansas. Just remember this, your workplace, it's your mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.